Welcome, everybody, to a Rattledge Broadcasting TV Party Tonight Extra Movie Commentary. Tonight, I'm joined by the, the Analog Man, Mr. Toxic Masculinity to you, Patrick Mullen. How you doing, sir? I was going to resent you calling me the Analog Man. And then I remembered that the last video camera I owned was an analog camera. <laughs> See? I, look, the nicknames all fit. It all comes together. And uh, this was in the mid-2000s. <laughs> so, uh, being the analog man, being totally 80s Pat Mullen, he has been uh, pulling my chain and barking up my tree to watch the 80s boy fantasy classic, Iron Eagle. Uh, Pat, why don't you... I mean, I know this was somewhat spurned on by the mentions of Iron Eagle in Cobra Kai, but what? Uh, but you also have a special love for this movie, so talk about it for a moment. You know, when, when, did, when was the first time you saw it? How did you feel? You know, tell us why we're watching this tonight. So, if you grew up in the era that I grew up in the latter part of, Mark, the earlier part of, which is that 80s into 90s time, you spent a lot of time on Saturday and Sunday afternoons watching movies. And for a lot of us, the best of those movies involved some badass, awesome patriot going against some foreign menace on some kind of personal mission of justice to put right what was put wrong. And Iron Eagle is no exception to that rule. In addition, Iron Eagle involves flying fighter jets, which is a dream every boy has at some point, especially if you pumped quarter after quarter into a game called Sega Afterburner, which I did, and never beat, got close, but got, you know, it was a tough game, what can I say? Yeah, uh, I, I sunk a lot of money into Afterburner myself. Yeah, uh, but this involves some of the best stereotypical 80s boy fantasies all in one movie and it's pretty hard to hit that trifecta quadfecta whatever you want to call it but just I've always had a soft spot for Iron Eagle especially the first one um, because it it has all these fun elements and listen we know what this movie is it's not winning you over via Shakespearean level performances of acting it's not winning you over with witty banter and lines that you'll remember for the rest of your life. This is purely, I love America, I love being a man, I love patriotism, I love kicking ass, I love fighter jets, I love awesome stuff, I love saving my family from evil foreign menaces. You could not make this movie today. <laughs> Pat and I talked about it before I hit the record button tonight, and I rewatched it today because I hadn't seen this in a dog's age. And I love it. It's 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 such a. This is one that next opportunity I want to show my son. I don't know if he'll get all the way through it, but this is such pure boy fantasy, and it has all the tropes. You know, the evil foreign menace. It has the gaggle of kids coming up with a highfalutin plan to get over on the adults. It has the master and student, master and apprentice relationship a la the karate kid with Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita. Um it's this it, it's is, got all this of that. Is karate Kid meets Red Dawn <laughs> meets Top Gun. 
Yeah, that's the, that's a pretty brilliant way to describe it. Um, the, yeah, and then Red. By the way, Red Dawn, phenomenal. Um, we need to watch that one day. But yeah, this is this is in that class of movies where you couldn't make it now because none of the tropes in this movie would be considered particularly appropriate. Yeah, because everybody's a fucking pussy. That. Um, you know, it, it's it, it, we just don't we really just don't make movies like this anymore. But back in the eighties, this was like this was a movie. This was family entertainment. Nobody says a bad word in this. The violence is largely subdued. It's a lot of explosions. Um, we're not talking like Michael Bay explosions here, but you know, it's a fair amount of planes and shit blowing up. Um, but the, but again, the, you know, it's it's a it's a. Uh, it's a caper and you know some fun action sequences and it's it's a lot of it's a lot of innocent fun and i think movies like this are kind of a lost art so we're gonna have some fun we're gonna watch it tonight and uh we'll tell you all about it are you ready pat i have been ready for the longest time (laughs) i'm gonna lower my volume on this here and i'm gonna go ahead and say three two one press play now And there's our TriStar picture horse. You don't see that anymore. No. Well, everything's owned by Disney. That's a fair point. Uh, I, did, did, did the lead in this go on to do anything else? Other than um, the other Iron did, Eagle movies? He, he was in the second one briefly, although I don't think he's credited for it. Okay. Um... He is in a lot of other popular movies, like a Backdraft is, he's in, um, Born on the Fourth of July, uh, Summer Catchy is a brief role. He did some TV, some shows that never caught on, um, stuff like Boomtown I know he was in, which I liked, and they canceled because they ruined the show in the second year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we open with uh, The Dad. Who will be our uh, Who will be our damsel in distress? God, uh, Tim <laughs> Thomerson, and he is flying a mission over the uh, blue skies of the Middle East. Bilia, as it's called in this movie, not to be confused with Libya. Oh wait, <laughs> yes it is. Yeah, this is a, this is a made up country, right? If I, if I remember correctly, it is a pastiche of Libya where the actual events that took place inspired this movie. Right. Um, And so as we roll through the credits here, we're seeing our fighter jets play, and we'll eventually meet our family and our leads. Uh, You know what this inspired in me today? I went out and rebought the uh, the four Rambo movies. I gotta gotta rewatch those again. Oh, man, I can't wait till the new one's out. Yeah, the new one looks really good. I mean, Rambo 3 is still the weakest of the bunch, and I still love that movie. It's 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 very over-the-top violent and very dark. Um, the, 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 the best one is still... I mean, well, the, critically the best one is the first one, but the most fun one is the second one. Yeah, I could go with that. All right. So, we are over foreign airspace here, and we are being pursued by uh, four, far, by four uh, foreign enemy jets. And this is where the plot thickens, see? Yeah, what's happening is basically, 
you have international boundaries that are supposed to be up to a certain point you're allowed to fly in, but you have countries that don't recognize those boundaries the same way and operate freely, and they basically have, there's international law that they have to follow when it comes to this, and what we're seeing is they're not respecting international law in terms of the, the billions, and uh, they're being hostile and aggressive towards the Americans who should, by all rights, be able to use the free airspace for maneuvers. Right. They were doing uh, drills, if I remember correctly. And now, of course, they're being fired on. Right. Which also violates the rules of air combat internationally, especially in what's supposed to be safe airspace. Yes, and we will meet our villain momentarily who will explain how he has had all he can stands and he can't stands no more. And he, he, this is where he's making his stand by capturing this American swine. You know what's the weird part of this whole thing to me? What's the weird part? Is seeing Tim Thomerson with a hair color other than, like, silver. What else has Tim Thomerson been in? Oh, my gosh. Well, he's best known as being Jack Death in the Trancer series. Okay. Um, but, man, he's in everything B-movie gold. Um, he's in, uh, I'm trying to think of the best stuff you'd know him from. Uncommon Valor, huh. Volunteers, Near Dark, uh, The Wrong Guys, Who's Harry Crumb, wow. uh, Dollman, uh, Nemesis. Uh, my gosh, he, dude, he's in so, so much. So I would love to know how they shot some of this. I mean, obviously they had to do some close-ups in a, uh, you know, in a grounded jet that they were probably shaking about and whatever. But there's a lot of, like, uh, atmospheric footage of just them, you know, flying. I, I would have I would have loved to have been in on the production of this. And so here we meet our lead. Um, the This is the father's uh, son who is creating himself a little mixtape. Doug. Doug Masters. Doug Masters, yes. And he is a high school senior. But he dreams... Pat, he dreams of being an Air Force pilot, just like his dear old dad. And you see the room clearly with, you know, picture of his gal, but everything else basically is USAF. <laughs> He's got, you know, posters and models and a basketball trophy and grabs his flight jacket. Yes, I had a bomber jacket. It didn't have any patches on it, but I had a bomber jacket. So are the security guards at Models on Fulton Street. <laughs> Fair enough. And Dave, now we see little brother. He's macking on some girl, some junior. Uh, what a hair. With typical, typical little brother room filled with 80s tops baseball cards, some posters. Uh, I think I saw Brooke Shields on his wall. What's your time stamp right now? Uh... I'm at 6.11. You're at 6.11? Really? Okay. Yeah, where are you? I'm at 6, but I'm. Uh, but he's now walking away from his mother while she's tailoring a dress. Yes. Okay, so we're about even. Yeah. All right, he is about to get into... That's some car for a, uh, <laughs> for a high school boy. That's a cherry Mustang, my friend. So, the first part of the movie, we're establishing his character here. We're getting to know him. Uh, he's got a bit of the Marty McFly in him, as we'll see momentarily. And he made some kind of tape deck, let me tell you. 
I wish I was that gifted with electronics. I used to pull that stuff apart as a kid, but I could never figure out how to put any of it back together to use. Yeah, I've never been handy. My my uh, my intelligence has always been in the social sphere, in communication. I can't do shit with my hands. I can, just not with electronics. <laughs> I got these caveman hands, Pat. Caveman hands. Give me give me rocks and fire, and I can do stuff with that. Fair enough. Uh, he's a known entity, but he's a bad boy just rolling on the base like he's not supposed to. Hey, and you see what kind of sunglasses he's got, Mark? <laughs> yes. Aviators. Goddamn right. Get it? Because it's the Air Force. It's all he ever wanted to be, Pat. And he's going to get... And we'll find out later that he's applied, but it might not go his way. Oh, and here we have the best friends. We have the white kid who's the best friend from Teen Wolf, and we have the black kid who was one of the Revenge of the Nerds. The gay one. Yes, Lamar. The gay black one. But boy, could he throw a javelin. Also a brown belt in the Cobra Kai dojo. That's right. He's also in, um, he's also in the Karate Kid. He shows. Not, he, he has definitely got, had himself a career back then. Like he was never a lead, but he was always, he was always like the best friend or something. Yeah, I don't know what else he's been in to be honest, aside from those movies we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I bet if we looked up his IMDb, he's had quite he's had himself quite a career. Well, good for him. Speaking As of, has this fella on the motorcycle. Yes, and speaking of uh, Karate Kid alumni, there's one of the Cobra Kai kids in the background there. And Melora Hardin of the Office fame, in addition to many others, as young Doug's girlfriend. And we've got two other Cobra Kai, or excuse me, Karate Kid alums. We've got Tommy from the Cobra Kai Dojo in the background with his backwards baseball cap. Yep. And we've got one of the guys who Daniel initially befriends before they laugh at him when Johnny kicks his ass on the beach. That's right. That's who that is. I, I did not recognize him. But by the way, the kid, does Tommy ever not play a bully? Jesus Christ! So, uh, what about when he's dying of some sort of ailment in Cobra Kai? I'm pretty sure it's cancer. Um, all right. Uh, well, I mean, still the same character. But so here we have our titular bully. He'll play a minor, minor, minor role in all of this. He's he's getting our he's getting Doug's goat. By the way, did you know? Did you notice what Doug's shirt says? It says Cessna. Because he's a pilot. Get it? <laughs> We're very subtle in this movie. <laughs> yes. So the, the bully is played by Michael Bowen, who's one of my favorite character actors ever. Uh, he beefs up pretty substantially after this movie. And the next thing I remember him in is Less Than Zero. Mm-hmm. Where oh, I remember that. Do you remember him in that? I remember. I vaguely remember the movie. I more remember going back to Cali. He's one of the guys... He's basically James Spader's enforcer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Robert yeah. Robert Jr. turned tricks. I vaguely remember that now. Less Than Zero. What a great movie. He's also from Huntsville, Texas. His name is Buck. And he's here to... Fuck. That would be him. Michael Bowen. Perfect. So, what we just learned about our character here is that... He cut class a lot to go spend extra time in the flight simulator because he wants to be a pilot, goddammit, and he ain't got time for book learning. But because, Except you need book learning to be a pilot. So because of that, he did not get into the Air Force Academy, and now he's being teased by the bully. Over the loudspeaker of the local burger joint. So what this is all leading to is this bully is, is getting his goat because he wants him 
to erase him. And, and, and you're going to have to explain this one to me. They're racing one... He's going to be on a motorcycle, and our hero, Doug, is going to fly a Cessna plane, and they're going to race. And I don't know how plane doesn't beat motorcycle every time, but apparently this is a thing. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a good explanation <laughs> for this. I don't understand why they're going to race instead of punch each other. Well, I, I get the racing thing. I mean, that, that, that's a time-honored trope. That, the time -honored trope. That's, you know, that's right out of Greece. You know, if you want to, you know, if you want a piece of me, we're going to have to, you know, race for papers at Thunder Road. Thunder Road. Love Greece. Um, You're about <laughs> the only one that does. No, Greece is a beloved movie. Get out of here. Greece makes fucking West Side Story look like Roadhouse. <laughs> Stop it. Um, so here we meet Louis Gossett Jr.'s character. Chappie! And he, you know, he's coming across like a lowly mechanic, but we're going to find out that he's a colonel in the Air Force Reserves, and he has got a relationship with Doug's father. Sort of. Sort of. They are known to each other. He respects the man. They have now, what's happened is he's working a bit on Doug's plane here, because apparently some fellow who tried this same race didn't have it correctly modified dipped too low in the plane and as a result crashed it and killed himself so this is the this is a again another common story trope it's the misunderstanding you know he doesn't know what all mr chappie's all about he just seems like like a like a silly mechanic and doesn't know why he's messing with his plane this is going to be important later and here we get the terms of the race here <laughs> There are disqualifications. Make that known now. Every time I look at that one kid, I keep thinking Michael J. Fox is going to show up as a werewolf of the basketball. Styles? Yes. Well, he's Styles in that movie. He's uh, <laughs> nameless Jerry Levine with mullet here. <laughs> All right, and here we go with our, our ridiculous Cessna versus motorcycle race. Yeah, every time I see the kid from Revenge of the Nerds, I want to hear him cheering on uh, Doug by saying, clap your hands, everybody, and everybody, everybody clap, clap your hands. hands. And then here we go. We're gonna. Well, this isn't Thunder Road. This is, what is this, Devil's Mountain or some shit? Uh, we'll just go with Barrett Air Force Base. Oh, fair enough. I just read the signs. <laughs> this This particular route, though, has some infamous name. Uh, especially since the one kid crashed uh, on it. Let's call it Death Valley. The technical uh, principal photography in this is actually quite good. There's a lot of really good shots in this. And it's it's not a low-budget movie. The budget for this is $18 million, which at that time is That's pretty decent. Do you, and, not, do you have what it made there, uh, Gross? Uh, box office was just over $24 million. But the video rental is where it really performed very strong. Yeah, um, I think before the advent of the VCR, this this is a movie that fails that you know that, that would have failed, making only twenty four million on an eighteen million dollar budget. But uh, movies tended to get a second life on video and would get sequels because of that. Well, right, and and you know that was part of the thing is. This was at a time when every movie wasn't must-see. It was, oh, you know, we can use that new video thing to catch this one later. And let's see uh, 
you know, I don't, I don't know what it opened against uh, in terms of that, but also syndication was a thing. So if, you know, so this is one of those movies that would show up on like TNT or you know some of the other uh, early cable channels. Yeah, I mean, this opened Christmas near Christmas, Thanksgiving '86. Mm-hmm. So you have to imagine it's a pretty uh, heavy. Uh, release time for a lot of studios and consider also this was you know this was not American made this is an Israeli Canadian production Mm -hmm. Uh, because at the time because this this involves the theft of a jet technically later on in the movie the Air Force does not cooperate with any film that involves the theft of Air Force property so they they had to use Israeli uh, jets and planes for this in many respects because they are the most similar to American because we supply them. Well, that would make sense. And so we have our bully on a motorcycle here doing lots of wheelies and whatnot. And we have our Cessna pilot hero oh, who just blew a gasket. He's got white smoke blowing out of the plane. Because as we found out, this dastardly villain messed with his gas cap beforehand. <sighs> the villains always cheat, Pat. And cheaters never prosper. You know, at a certain point, it's the good guy's fault for expecting a fair fight. <laughs> yes. Always expect salt in the eye. Prepare for it. Aeronaut urging him to pull out of this race, but he can't. His ego, his pride won't let him. He will not let the bully win. Not what a man does. No, absolutely not. You die. That's what you do. You stay in there and fight. Give it all you got. What a world. What a world this was in 1986. I mean, in 1986, we still didn't have to wear helmets on bicycles. You could actually go to the park without your parents having to watch you, and then DCF wouldn't get called. Oh, and here we go. We come down to it. We're almost at the end. We're almost at the finish line. And they're saying, for the love of God, your plane's going to explode. And he's like, no, I can hold it all together. I can win this race. I can prove the bully wrong. Damn it, I can do this. He is cool as the other side of the pillow in that plane. That, <laughs> that looks like it's on the verge of blowing up. So where was this shot exactly? Uh, so part of it I know is, in, is shot in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, let's see. To simulate the facilities of a typical USAF base, a combination of hangars and barracks at Camarillo and the Plains of Fame Air Museum in Chino, California were employed. Most Israeli air bases are situated underground, thus they were not usable for these shots. And here we are. Oh, and he wins by a nose. <laughs> Now he's got to somehow land this thing without dying. Easier said than done. No. Uh, also, he should just be ashamed of himself that it was that close to beating him. Well, the guy cheated. He, he I think he he cut out part of the race. If you'll remember, they say that uh, he, he had an unfair advantage. And then, of course, he messed with the gas cap, and the plane uh, was, was uh, in trouble. So, you know. Still is. Yes. And here our hero is going to tell him, you could have killed me. This, this has got a bit more than a friendly rivalry. And back in the 80s, kids, <laughs> when you wanted to settle a dispute with somebody, you just punched him in the mush one time. That's how I still settle disputes. 
Eh, it's a different world now, though. I am not a different man, however. No, you are an analog man living in a digital world. What Now, what has this kid been in? Uh, I'm right about there. I just saw the punch. Because I'm watching on Amazon, and you're watching on uh, iTunes. something else. iTunes, yes. Soon to be a defunct app. So, one would hope. So, uh, so this kid works for one of the higher oh, ups on the yeah. Air Force Base. This is Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and he's just come to tell Doug that there's an emergency and he needs to go to the Air Force Base to hear about what's happened to his father. Yeah, he's been shot down over not Libya. That's just what I'm going to call it. I'm, we're just going with that. Works for Fuck, me. let's just call it Libya. That's what it is. <laughs> Fair enough. So this is, this kid is romping and stomping, and, and, and no one's going to tell him where he can't go. <laughs> God, if you tried this today, they'd shoot you on the spot. He gets just a bit roughed up. So he's storming into, like, central command on this Air Force base. And it's like, ah, it's the colonel's kid. It's fine. Well, he, I was going to say, he probably does get a little bit of leeway. Because, firstly, they're all aware of, you know, what's mm-hmm. going on. But, secondly, you know, he is the colonel's kid, and if they find out you, you really did something terrible <laughs> to the colonel's kid, and somehow he's alive, even though nobody's betting on that. So, yes, we, we're getting an explanation here as to what happened in our uh, cold open uh, over the credits, that basically he was shot, he was... In international airspace over not Libya, uh, he was shot down, and he's going to further explain that it's 1986, and we're living in a world of negotiation and compromise, and we're not going, we're totally not going to send Delta Force in to go get this guy. We're going to try to negotiate for his return, because we don't want to start an international incident by picking on this little foreign country in the Middle East. And there's your plot, ladies and gentlemen. Pretty much. I mean, you know, it was not uncommon at the time for hostages to be exchanged, prisoners to be exchanged. No, we, we're not that far removed from the from the Iran uh, from the Tehran hostage crisis, where they sat there for over a year. I think it was. Uh, yeah. I actually read a whole book on this. The, the hostages sat in Tehran for over a year because Carter wouldn't, at first, wouldn't send anyone to go get them and was negotiating and negotiating. And I think they tried once and it was a, an abysmal failure. Yeah, well, that's why you need somebody like Reagan. And then, um, yeah, and then it's a further embarrassed Carter. And I don't remember what the, what the other reasons were, but basically Reagan got elected president. They were like, here's your hostages back. Thanks for playing. <laughs> we'll see you in the future. They were like, oh, this guy's not a pussy? Oh, he really will do this to us? Yep, here you go. Um, here's your hostages. And so, <laughs> um, let's just forget about this. So America just just, just elected some crazy actor who, who who spends most of his career acting opposite a chimp. We probably shouldn't trust him with nuclear weapons. Just give him back the hostages. <laughs> uh, Ronald Reagan, the original B-movie god. That's right. Uh, win one for the Gipper. That's what he would say. 
This scene is still going on. He's still explaining how they can't go get the guy. And the son is pissed. He does a lot of acting with his eyes here. Because he's, he's very straight-faced. And he can't, you know, and he, and he can't give, like, this overdramatic, bellowing performance. He has to maintain some degree of composure for this scene. But he does, you know, when he's, act, when he's vocalizing his, uh, his lines, I don't think he has the world's greatest delivery. But I'll tell you, he's got good facials, as Jim Cornette would say. There's intensity there. Yeah, there's definitely... And so now him and the mom are discussing the fact that they have to trust in the system in order to get the father back. They have to trust that things are all going to just work out. Yeah, but, you know, he's also smarter than that, so... And his dad's in trouble, so naturally, he's not going to trust the trained military personnel who he was not qualified to join... (laughs) You gotta do it yourself. I don't think we're there yet, though. I don't think he's jumped to that conclusion. I think at the moment he's just sort of he's annoyed uh, and disappointed, but I don't think he's got he's gotten as far as the situation is hopeless. He has to take matters into his own hands. We're not quite there yet. We're going to get there momentarily, but we're not quite there yet. The mom is trying to console him. There, 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 there. Haircut. It'll be fine. And she's like, you know, I knew I signed up for this. I knew this could happen eventually. Sure. I'm, I'm sad, but I'm moving on. With your dad's best friend. <laughs> We're not quite there yet, but I'm sure that's where it was going. <laughs> yeah, that was in that, that was in an earlier edit of the film. Iron Eagle Triple X. <laughs> He has. He definitely does smolder face very good. Like you know, you, you read off some of his IMDb. He, the kid's got some some. You know, I, if he had been maybe a better actor, I think he might have gone a little bit further. He's definitely got some good looks to him. He's in Backdraft, which is one of the ten best movies ever made. That's up there. I was waiting for you to do the top five. <laughs> top five. So I'm getting to the point where I hate all of Conrad's podcasts and I don't want to listen to them anymore. Yeah, because they're terrible. Yeah, I, w- I haven't even given Get Grilling JR a chance yet. I, well, I don't want to hear JR on TV. Why do I want to hear him off TV? Yeah. So he's still talking with the friends. They're still trying to, you know, figure things out here. Yeah, we're missing some action beats here. Yeah. The type of movie this is, I think we, we need an action beat here. I think they thought it was enough when they roughed him up in the Air Force base. Mm. Yeah, th- this this could have used a bit, uh, maybe some changing some scenes around in the editing uh, in the editing bay. <laughs> Squirted with a flower. Oh, chuckles! And here we go. We get our first scene of Libya proper, where we're going to meet our titular villain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who later on will make the tactical error of telling his soldiers to f- to, to go pr- proceed directly into the fire. He will also make the tactical error of being Muammar Gaddafi. <laughs> because again, that's really who he's supposed to be. But we know him better as Hercule Poirot. So here is where he's explaining to our uh, downed pilot 
that uh, you, have you have violated his Fargan rights, as they would say in Johnny Dangerously. And he will yeah. not stand it anymore, and he has to make an example of somebody, and he's just the guy to make an example of. You Fargan icehole. I am going to take you to work. <laughs> I'm going to nail it to the wall. <laughs> I'm going to crush your bells in a meat grinder. It's a coat great... rack. My father hung me from a coat rack once. 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 I... <laughs> I was at a party last night. I told everyone I was a male nurse. I was ashamed to admit I was a criminal. That's such a good movie. It's a fun one. Yes. Oh, look at this. 80s dancing. Oh, this is a lost art, Pat Mullen. Look and at now him. you know why this kid's in the movie. Yep. Yes. I'm pretty sure this is exactly why he was cast. He clicked... Go for he, it, Bojangles. He, he, clicked, he clicked the minority box, and he yep. could dance up a storm. Look at him. Look they, at him in his tails. Caught, they caught Revenge of the Nerds, and uh, basically that's where they've gone with it. Mm. He is very good, though. I gotta give it to him. He's got some rhythm to him. I'm pretty sure that our titular hero does not. No, that's why he doesn't dance in this scene. Yeah, Doug don't dance. Or is uh, was it Norman Mailer who wrote uh, "Tough Guys Don't Dance"? Sure. <laughs> wow. All right. I don't feel like a huge nerd now. <laughs> you have a you have a much better memory for the finer details than I do. Uh. And now Cousin Oliver has pulled him aside and we're sidebarring out of the dance along with the rest of the not yet in the military crew. And uh, Melora, Melora Harden Priya really becoming some nice eye candy. Our black friend here is full of sweat from dancing. <laughs> Styles is not because Styles don't dance either. Nope. Boy, they really probably did shoot this in real time because he is... He is sweating there. Yeah, they, they, there was no break within takes here. It was just literally just set up for the next shot. And I'm, willing, I'm willing to bet that Cousin Oliver is not uh, sweating because ain't nobody dancing with Cousin Oliver. No, sir. All right, so I think he just got further bad news that we are not... Hey, being... guess what? We're not intervening, and he's been sentenced to death. Yes. We have moved the, we have moved the plot along, and he has now reintroduced himself back into... The command, uh, the high command post, and he's gone to confront the leadership of the military, and he's going to get told the same thing: we can't go get him. That is, that is our orders. I, I think this is the bit where where he was told no, uh, no aircraft carrier in the area either, which is going to work itself into the plot later. Mm -hmm. What I love about this movie is it's, as it gets going when we when when we get to the heist part of it. Uh, there's a lot of logistics that have to get worked out. It's actually a, it gets very technical in that in that part of the movie. The second act is very much like the finer points of planning an air raid invasion. It's, yeah. it's really cool stuff. Yeah, because it's the stuff that doesn't really get shown in most of these movies. Right. It's more like, all right, let's just jump in the jets and go take care of business. Yeah, they have they have infinite fuel. The the Earth is only so big. You know, yeah. So we don't have logistical issues like having to refuel mid-flight. Yeah, exactly. 
I'm feeling super patriotic this weekend. I'm watching Iron Eagle. I'm going to go meet uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan on Sunday. Oh. So this is when Doug is asking for a little bit of flight time in the simulator. And this is where we see him shine as a flyboy, as a pilot. Just put your tapes on, son. It's the 80s. That's right. I was explaining to somebody recently the art of the cassette mix and what a lost art it is. And it really, you had to put work in on that cassette mix. Oh, yeah. And honestly, the good ones told the story. Yes, they did. And if you were really good, you can cut some samples in there of uh, other stuff. Right? My, my friend made a really funny one. He had uh, he cut some body count in with some anal cunt, so it sounded like, uh, do you have any Soundgarden tickets? No, my job's not to help you fucking ass out, asshole. Good stuff. Very good. So we see some scenes here of him uh, using the simulator. He's fighting off some MIGs. MIGs is what they call them, Pat. Enemy destroyed. Well, MIGs are a type of jet that are frequently used by uh, said uh, Libyans. Yeah, they're Libyans. <laughs> I couldn't get past maybe the second board and afterburner, no matter. I mean, unless I wanted to spend like a thousand dollars on that machine. Yeah, we had one by the public pool, and mm -hmm. uh, good lord, the amount of quarters I pumped into that was just mm -hmm. ungodly. It was a fun game to play, especially because it was one of the you know it was one of those it was first sat in person, it. yeah, which didn't happen at the time. It was also very expensive for for you know for its era. That was a 50 center for each turn. At least, yeah. Some places it was a dollar. And here we see Louis Gossett Jr. again. Oh, he's not just a mechanic. <laughs> and I think he's starting to approach him about the idea of going to get the dad. Do you know what a MIG is, Mark? What's a MIG? It's a Mikoyan Gurevich. All right. A variable geometry fighter aircraft... <clears throat> Designed by the Mikoyan Gurevich Design Bureau in this. Alright, see, you'll, you tune into the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network, you learn a few things. So, here is where we move the plot forward, finally. Uh, having no help from the military, and, and his dad surely going to be hung, hung by his head and neck. The son has started to formulate a plan of getting this old timer to help him steal a plane, and go rescue his father. And the funny part about it is, Chappie already had that in mind. Why, you ask? Because, quite frankly, Colonel Masters had such a reputation, and during Nam happened to bail out Chappie's crew, even though he never personally met Chappie. Chappie will not let a hero like that go down in such an ignominious way. So it's 1986, and in, in Vietnam still has an indelible effect on many of the films made having to do with soldiers uh, in didn't this like period. Every, didn't every 
1980s movie have something to do with Vietnam? Yeah, just about. The occasional one went into Korea, but for the most part, it was yeah, all well, Vietnam all the time. I mean, we ended the decade with, you know, Rambo 3 and Red Scorpion, both of which had to do with Nam. No, uh, the third one, if you're talking about the third one. No, you're talking about the second one. Yeah, the second one was the return no, to Vietnam. Yeah. Yes, that's when he rescues the POWs, okay. Yep. Yeah, the, no, I'm thinking of Afghanistan. Yes, that's the third one. Yeah. And for God's sakes, Pat, he was only there to take pictures. Yeah, sure, that's what they told him. He was never there to rescue the POWs. Just take pictures. Yeah. Don't you understand? Such a good movie. <laughs> Richard Crenna just completely overplaying himself. Whereas Louis Gossett Jr. made an art out of that. Yes. There is a lot of dialogue in this movie. You could have cut this by half by shortening some of these scenes. And getting Honestly, to the point. There should there really shouldn't be dialogue scenes without <laughs> Lou Gossett in them. Cause the the group of actors that they assembled here, because of the budget costs for things like fighter jets, it's not exactly the studio actors guild. Okay, so we are thirty five minutes into this movie and we've had maybe a half an action scene. I mean it starts off wonderfully. Yeah. And then there's a lot of setup and a lot of dialogue. You get the little chase sequence or race sequence, I should say. Mm. Um, and then the next action is what the dance, if you want to call it that. Right. So, like, if you're so you're sold on this movie being an action movie, and it's going to be a whole hour that passes by. Now, granted, the stuff right. coming up is gold. The you know these oh, kids, gold. these 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 children of of uh, Air Air Force. So, uh, soldiers, Air Force pilots, s- committing high thievery, and and basically turning this into like an Ocean's Eleven movie. It's fantastic. It's some of the best stuff in the movie. But boy, does it take some getting there. Duh. <laughs> Look at the anger in the eyes of Louis Gossett Jr. He is not happy with our friend Doug here. Oh, he took off his hat. It's like, listen, boy. Don't pull on my collar. Don't don't tug my he, cape. Uh, he's looking at him like he's Richard Gere. <laughs> That's an officer and a gentleman joke, everybody. I oh. don't see no horns on you, boy. Oh, live, love lift us up where we belong. I hate that movie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen it. I that was like... Literally, just the Louis Gossett Jr. parts get me through that whole friggin' thing. I just find Richard Gere very unlikable. Remember when Louis Gossett Jr. and Gregory Hines were in everything? Remember those days? Yeah, remember when instead of Louis Gossett Jr., he basically Cuba Gooding Jr. became the new Louis Gossett Jr.? You think so? He got his Academy Award, and everything he did after that was B movie level or less. Okay, and now I see the similarities. All right, so here we're, we're at graduation. See, this is a scene that could have been cut. We really didn't need this. Like, the past scene we had with Chappie and Doug was necessary. Sure. It really, it really broke down a lot of the motivations, a lot of where this is going to go. You have Chappie as, like, the voice of reason. I would have cut a lot of the dialogue prior to that. Mm-hmm. I would have extended the simulator sequence. <laughs> To show that Doug has potential, right, and then gets shot down. It shows him as a hothead, not ready yet. Right. I think we have. One, I think we only needed one scene 
of him knowing what the full scope of the issue with his father was. He was shot down. Say in that one scene, you're not getting any help. We're not going to get him. He was shot down. End of story. And he's going to hang in three days. Sorry, kid. Them's the breaks. And that's it. We don't need to go back to the control tower for a second round of that. Okay, now we're going somewhere. Yes, we have a flashback here to uh, the son hot-shotting in the jet and the father giving him some discipline. Yes. So he's... So, okay, so the um, the commander here in this scene that's talking with the father and the son who is somewhat in disguise, he's in a bunch of stuff, too, in this era. Oh, yeah, General Edwards is played by Lance Legall. Um, and, my God... Well, he was Decker in the A-Team. That's probably what most people know him from. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in Stripes as the Colonel. Uh, geez, uh, who else? What else is he in? Airwolf. Uh, yeah, just a ton of stuff, and usually in a very similar role to this. Yeah, he's a handsome fella. Yeah. I'm not surprised he got Airwolf. How many seasons did that last? That was uh, four seasons, three on network, one on USA. Okay. I didn't watch too much Airwolf as a kid, but I knew it existed. It was definitely a thing. Yeah, it was there. You know, it was also a thing. Night Rider on a boat, otherwise known as Hogan's Thunder in Paradise, starring Hogan and a bunch of his friends. I really need a full release of that show. <laughs> Is that available anywhere? They had a very limited DVD release of. The collections of episodes that were edited into mini movies that they put out on home video, they re-released those as DVDs. How is that not streaming somewhere? Uh, I don't. I I think it's the guys who hold the rights are the same guys who held the Baywatch rights, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Burke, Bonin, and Schwartz. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. I, it only had two seasons, so I think it's a total of 26 episodes because I think there were half seasons. Right. Because uh, of very high production costs and. Hulk decided to wrestle again, but, you know. I think uh, if they ever release the entire Thunder in Paradise on a, some sort of streaming platform, me, you and I are going to need to knock that out with the TV party. I mean, I still remember both the beginning and end theme songs. <laughs> all right, so, this oh my God, this graduation scene is going on forever. And, all it, and, all, and the only purpose of it is it was to motivate him to steal a jet and go save his father. Which isn't necessary, because he was already motivated to do that. Uh, you know, they're trying to, I, I guess, I really think they're trying to frame this as, look, he's a kid. Because, uh, I mean, he looks like a kid, though. He doesn't look like an adult trying to play a kid, like half the Beverly Hills 90210 cast. Look, again, I'm not complaining necessarily about this movie, but if, you know, if I if I don't talk about some of the critical elements and we're going to have nothing to talk about. This is taking forever to start. I mean, I do think they needed a little bit more showing of, you know, Doug and his dad to really drive the relationship point home. But, like, it's just... We need some faster flow from scene to scene. Like, even if you wanted to keep... This seems like in editing, the director just wanting to keep all of his babies... Like they had just they just shot so much footage, and you know the editor is in there, you know, putting it together. Just like, well, we shot it, we might as well use it. Like I can only imagine what's on the cutting room floor. 
Yeah, I, I like see this is another one. Why are why are we having these moments with the little brother? Yeah. You know, it, it's not really a super tender moment. Why is he explaining this plan to the brother? I think they would have benefited from again, maybe more use of montage, maybe take a note from Sly and kind of instead of the graduation scene we got intercut parts of random bonding events with the dad and the brothers. Yeah. You know, show him uh, going from maybe taking the boys out in a plane to maybe at home with the wife and the boys having a cookout or, you know, some dumb shit like that. Make it look like it's, you know, a real relationship. So besides the so besides the not totally not Muammar Gaddafi ordering his troops to fire into the fire, this is my favorite villain scene of the movie. Them trying to trying to get a false confession out of the dad, and the guy, you know, the guy doing his best trying to be trying to be the good cop, and going, "Look, man, I'm fighting for you, but you got to give me something here." But he's doing it in a totally like <laughs> villainous, mustache twisty way, and somehow also being flat. It's the weirdest performance. Yeah, and if you've never been in one of these things where. You have people trying to get you to cop to something completely that you didn't do and had nothing to do with, but they're trying to get you to cop with it. Your skin crawls during these scenes. <laughs> like, I've been through this, and it's like, it, fuck you. Like, the, I, I have such a hard time not spitting in some space when that goes on. I feel like they shot, they used this exact building in Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier. All right, so I thought he, you were going to say the 1990 Captain America with Matt Salinger. <laughs> that, that, that too, possibly. All right, so here we have our Ocean's Eleven scene. This is where they plot the caper. This is one of the more fun parts. Where it, Yes, it is dialogue-driven, but I actually like seeing it. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is, yeah, this is where... Yeah, they're, they're they're plotting all of the different uh, hornswoggling they're going to do, and it's fun. This is this is great stuff. This is where the movie picks up. So at at almost forty four minutes, this movie finally gets going. Yeah, like th- th- this is the tough part when you're watching this on Sunday afternoon on Channel Eleven because you're essentially an hour into the movie now. Right. Uh, remember those? Remember DOS computers, Pat? Where he had to feed the card in upside down, and then oh yeah, you kids don't know, but that, but the, that thing that that box with that with, with the Matrix screen on it, that used to be a computer. That was the height of technology at the time. She has also been had minor roles in like everything. By the way, this woman. And because he's our nerd character, he's going to do the hacking. I mean, why else would you keep him around? Have you seen him? (laughs) He is a little pumpkin pie haircutted freak with pedophile glasses. (laughs) Ah, yes. He's able to manipulate this woman out of the room and steal state secrets right off the computer. To be fair... Like, 85% of these movies in the 80s were about kids stealing government secrets. Fair enough. Like, there was a Silver Spoons episode about it. (laughs) Oh, God. Ricky Schroeder is one of my favorite movies of all time. 
pool hall junkies. Oh my god! Do you know that's not available on Amazon Prime? Really? Which I can't understand because I love that movie. Oh, Pool Hall Junkies is the best. Yeah. Folks, if you haven't seen Pool Hall Junkies, go look for it. I'm actually checking iTunes now because I don't believe you. As someone who shoots a lot of pool and loves Christopher Walken, I love that movie. Oh, that that also came out like amongst a slew of movies like Suicide Kings and... No, no, that was later. That, that was, was later? later? Pool Hall Junkies came out, I want to say, in 2002. Pool and now we've got Shawnee Smith. Shawnee Smith, unappreciated 80s babe. Hmm. Of course, she later went on to fame and saw. Oh, is that where she's from? Um. Well, yeah. That's she's the she's Amanda in the Saw movies. Okay. Yeah. Pool hall. Jesus Christ. Pool hall junkies is not available on, yeah. on iTunes. Yeah, I told you, man. It sucks. That's a that is a high crime and misdemeanor right there. I know we got to get a copy of that. We do. We need to talk about it. We oh, the other stutter. Say what? Oh, did I stutter? <laughs> about a second ago, it was like an Elks Lodge meeting up in this motherfucker. Now it's quiet as a church. I one of the things I love about Pool Hall Junkies is the fact that Ricky Schroeder is the fucking villain. Brad. Yeah. Oh, I remember scary. watching that. I saw that in the theaters, and I remember watching it. And, I'm like, and he turns up. I'm like, "Holy crap! Where'd they pull him from?" So they're they're setting off firecrackers in the base around the mechanics, while the two fat nerdy kids jump on the computers. <laughs> Holy Christ! This is only available on DVD. I need to know who owns like the rights to this and why this hasn't been licensed for streaming. Uh, I would assume Mars Callahan still owns the rights somehow. At this point, people who own rights to movies that aren't for streaming should be having a fire sale on these things. What are you holding out for? I think we're the only two people who saw Pool Hall Junkies, though. Although there was definitely a th third person because I didn't go alone. Okay. <laughs> Could have possibly been me, but I don't know. Uh, I, I also didn't see it in theaters. I ended up renting it on VHS, mind you. Oh my god. No, I, I, I made sure I made it to the theater for that one. Alright, so here we have our hero who has gone back to the well. He's gone to see Chappie. He's like, look, I in earnest have, have come up with a plan. I have details. I have all kinds of things to, do, to pull this off. I cannot demonstrate to you anymore how serious I am. And again, his line delivery is cringeworthy, but he has such earnest eyes. Oh, the poppy dog eyes on this boy. He gets better. But he's in the jet, he's fine. Well, I mean, like, if you watch him in backdraft, he's much better. Okay. You know, I, I think he was doing a lot of learning on the fly here. Yeah. I think he's done one or maybe two movies where he had lines before this. I was going to say, I think this, if this was a jump from minor roles to suddenly he's the lead... This may have been too big a shoes for him, and you know, and he'll get comfortable later on. But uh, the, there's a bit of growing pains here. Remember cuff sleeves, Pat? I don't understand why they stopped. I still wore cuff sleeves. Ugh. I grew up in an era where you cuffed your pants and your shirt, and I didn't have Did time you? for either. I, I I remember cuffing the pants. I look back in that and and 
cringe a little bit. Did you, I remember did you, when that... Did you cut your Z Cavaricis and st- stick them into your socks like everybody else did? Surprisingly, no. <laughs> I grew up in a very Italian uh, suburban neighborhood, and there was a lot of that going on. Remember Zuba Pants? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, my God. So I used to think Zuba Pants were the best thing ever. So I, I owned one pair of them. Mm-hmm. Those need to make a comeback. If Zuba Pants make a comeback, I'll go back to wearing pants. <laughs> All right. Louis Gossett Jr. is trying to take the measure of this kid. Let's see what she got. He's looking at his plans. Oh, look at that. Look at, look at Lewis Gossett Jr. shaking his tushy. Mind you, the clock is t- ticking on this poor man's neck. And if you wanted to know where the line came, that they wouldn't cast Lewis Gossett Jr. in serious roles anymore, this is when it happened. <laughs> and this is essentially why you only saw Lou Gossett Jr. after this in the Iron Eagle sequels, Digstown, and The Punisher. Are you talking about the Punisher with Thomas Jane or Dolph Lundgren? No, no, no. The real Punisher with Dolph Lundgren. You know, Although, ironically, his, his name, Louis Gossett Jr.'s name in the Punisher film is Berkowitz. Is it really? Because you know, he looks like a Berkowitz. You know, I've never actually sat through the, enti- the entirety of the uh, Lundgren Punisher. It's a shame because that's the best one. Well, I'm saving that for the next time there's uh, I wanted to do that as an on-trial for when the uh, the Punisher came out, but it was just around every. I think every every time the Punisher has uh, debuted a series on Netflix, my calendar was so packed with other stuff, I just couldn't fit it on there, and I can only record so many times with Sean. So I'm saving it for the next time the Punisher shows up somewhere. I mean, I have the DVD. I also have the VHS. I don't know why I haven't gotten rid of my VHSs. You're an analog man in a digital world. Look at Chappie. Um... So now I'm, now I'm curious to see how much the Punisher for Dolph Lundgren is on iTunes. And look at look at Doug keeping up with this elaborate blueprint scheme behind him. Mm-hmm. He's not giving up. He's dogged. If he's not a good actor, he's just so damn earnest. Yeah, for sure. All right, so the Punisher... With Thomas Jane, and then the Punisher Warzone with, uh, what's-his-face? Ray Stevenson. Ray Stevenson. Both available. You know what? Not, not available on iTunes. Fucking Punisher with Dolph Lundgren. I'm pretty sure, if you give me one second, I can find it for you. <laughs> uh, what are we doing out there, people? We need to get all these things on a streaming service. God damn. I'm pretty sure if you give me one second. All right, so we're in a bar here. So this, this whole gimmick here is that Louis Gossett Jr. is kind of Miyagiing uh, our boy Doug here. You know, like you know, Doug Doug wants to take this all very seriously and wants to, uh, yeah, he it's like look, look, let, let, let's just get to it. Okay, fantastic, it's on YouTube. Thank you. Still with me, Pat? I said, don't yell it out. Somebody's going to get it taken down. Oh, <laughs> got it. Um, 
All right, so yes. So so this is all the bonding stuff between Louis Gossett Jr. and our boy Doug. Because you can't trust somebody. No, no, this is highly dangerous. Especially some damn here. underage kid. Yeah, so, so some, some barely out-of-school 18-year-old says, let's steal two jets and fly to the Middle East to go save my father from an execution. You might need to know what you're dealing with, because that just sounds like crazy, crazy stuff right there. It is pure boy <laughs> fantasy. It is absolute ad- It is absolute adolescent boy fantasy, but it's also the stuff of insanity. What was that, Pat? But damn it, Louis Gossett Jr. likes that plan. He likes the crazy. He admires the chutzpah, as it were. Yes. Chutzpah. Chutzpah is a thing. And now he's trying to almost talk him out of it. Well, he needs to know if he's going to crack when, you know, when, when the inevitable pressure mounts up. At some point, these people are going to be shot at, and he needs to know if this 18-year-old kid with no military training and only time in a flight simulator and some Cessna piloting is going to be the real deal or not. Remember the last Starfighter, by the way? Very, also a very similar plot. Here is a kid who masters a video in arcade game and is selected to fly a real spaceship into a real space war. Yeah, I wasn't big on that one. What a premise. Oh, are you kidding me? I loved The Last Starfighter as a kid. I was not a a huge... There's two movies that everybody gets on me for not loving during that time period of that ilk. Mm. That's one, and Tron is the other. You don't like Tron? Nah. Oh, I made my kids watch that. Never, never, never appealed to me. Oh, my God. Uh, Tron Legacy sucks ass, but um, the initial Tron movie is is a top ten of mine. Didn't, didn't love it. Didn't love the actual game on Atari. <laughs> I can see that. So, see, again, here now, we, we... Again, Jason Gedrick is being asked to do a lot, but his facials are so good. Mm-hmm. And we're back to dear old dad, who is uh, having his will beaten out of him. Oh, and there's the noose. Not to be confused with pasta news from De La Soul. The rapping hippies, remember them? Uh, what'd they do again? Uh, me, myself, and I. Yeah, I mix up a lot of the groups of that time period into one, uh... <laughs> they grew up... They, they were uh, not too far from where I live. They, they grew up in Freeport. Like, I, I would throw around, like, uh... I don't know. Like, all, all random groups that I didn't listen to are just in one big pile during that time period. Them, uh, D-Light, like all kinds of crap like that. I remember <laughs> the song they did with Red Man. That was about it. You know Two Shorts still out there doing stuff? That's a little bit scary. Yeah, Google Two Short. He's apparently still, like, in somewhat way relevant. All right, so they're going to pull a fast yeah. one here on this poor kid. And now Gedrick looks super nervous that he's going to get pinched as if he's, like, going to a bar with a fake ID. (laughs) It's real now. 
before this was all just theory. It was all just high, high dreams. But now, you know, the, the rubber is meeting the road. Listen, we're at the point of no return right now. This is where we're doing it. That's right. You either steal the money from the safe or don't. <laughs> Come on, white boy. <laughs> Get it together. Mark, have you gotten to a point where you were entering into a situation, uh, not like marriage or anything like that, where you get to a point of no return, but maybe something different? Um, I don't know. I guess maybe uh, my job, you know, there you have to you know get involved directly, somewhat physically, with uh, somebody who has utterly lost their mind. So. Uh, I was thinking more like, oh, okay, we're gonna sneak out to this party. Like we're we're on the roof. Like we're climbing down now. This is it. Oh gosh, I didn't do a lot of stuff like that. I'm kind of lame. Wow. Now That's I mean, all right. we forgive you. I I know. Stay past my curfew, sure. But sneak out of the house? Yeah, I wasn't much of a sneaker. Not like and that, like, at least. And you know, like go from like Long Island to to Midtown Manhattan without you know. I used to ride my bike from Massapequa all the way into like Hicksville to go to a comic book store, which I was not allowed to do. I I rode. There was a point where I was riding my bike all over Long Island, and I was not allowed. So here we have our first flying scene between our boy Doug and uh, Louis Gossett Jr.'s Chappie. Oh, and we're gonna pl we're gonna play some tunes. By the way, the the going back to the uh, to the high scene, which was. Um, Soundtracked for, by uh, Twisted Sisters, we're not going to take it anymore. Yeah, Good stuff. Definitely a song I would listen to flying into battle. Yes. Twisted Sister, very underrated. Fantastic. Look at this. Let's fly them. Let's do it. Now, this is the part of the movie where you get hyped up. Yes. We are one hour exactly into this movie, and we are finally getting somewhere. And that somewhere is Libya. <laughs> well, not well. We're not there yet. Right now, we're still bonding between no, our. That's where, we're, that's where we're on the way to. That's where we're we're getting there. Right now, uh, as I said, we are. He, he's got to he's got to prove to Louis Gossett Jr. that on this mission he will be competent, and dependable. And by that I mean he will shoot things and blow them up. It would have been funny if in this scene they were playing the song Broken Wings. Get it? Yeah, but it would, you know, I mean, come on. <laughs> That's not the movie for that sort of thing. We need kick-ass rockin' music. Yes. Because we're doing some kick-ass rockin' stuff, like stealing F-16s. So are you going to see the Top Gun sequel when it comes out? I have mixed feelings about that. <laughs> That was delayed. I'm not the biggest. I'm not the biggest fan of Top Gun. Mm -hmm. I think it's a tremendous love story between two men. <laughs> I believe it or not, I almost so much. I believe it or not, I have not actually gotten all the way through Top Gun. I have to. Re I uh, I will rewatch it in its entirety closer to when the sequel comes out for a uh, on trial. That's fair. Uh, but but again, I, I don't really know what we have to gain from Top Gun 2 at this point. Don't also, the, the, best, the best performance <laughs> in that whole movie is Tom Skerritt. That's fair. 
Highway to a Danger Zone. Okay. Best performance by Kenny Loggins, followed by Tom Skerritt. You know what we have to do one day? We're going to have to do a commentary for Roadhouse at some point. But there's a part of me that wants... There was a rumor at one point that Ronda Rousey was supposed to be in a female reboot of Roadhouse. I was saving it for that, but I don't think that's a thing anymore. Yeah, you know why? Because of people like me. <laughs> well, her signing with the WWE uh, and being busy, I think, it'll help matters. Or because I said I would destroy everyone involved with that. <laughs> and I was not kidding. You want to make your stupid little all-female remakes uh, Ocean's Eleven and dumb shit? That's fine. But leave perfection alone. You ever see the Family Guy episode where Peter gets a copy of Roadhouse and then there's like another movie that they're and trying to get And just walks around sidekicking everybody? Yeah. <laughs> Peter, we're getting complaints about town that, you, that, uh, you, that you can't go around kicking things. Roadhouse? I have been known to say that around my house. Roadhouse. Louis Gossett Jr. is giving uh, all the kids the business here. Why is the little brother involved in this? And because why is... this is the 1980s and we need a cute kid. Well, at this point, he's giving an instruction on how to handle yourself in a dogfight. None of them are flying with Doug. This doesn't seem like relevant information for this group of people. To be fair, I think he understands that Doug's a bit of a dullard. <laughs> and he's trying to use essentially what is the full competency of Doug's brain by including the other people he involves himself with. Alright, that's fair. This is a really funny scene. This is a kind of a shout back to a Bill Cosby bit where um, he, you know, he was playing street football and the quarterback would devise these elaborate plays using bits of junk that he found in the street. And so, you know, infamously, Bill Cosby did a bit of, I don't want to be the bottle cup. Okay, well, you be this piece of glass then. You know, that sort of thing. Um, and so we did the same thing the same thing there. It was like, move the watchtower. And it's like, is this the what? No. Is this, is what it, no, that's my lunch. Yeah. <clears throat> that's comedy, everybody. Comedy so, in 1986. That was before people started putting gum in their hair. Did- See the blonde kid with the terrible haircut next to the black kid? I sure do. Him, yeah. He was in a, an episode of 21 Jump Street where he his dad is the guy from Law & Order, and he plays a kid who was drowned and was pronounced dead but came back to life and is used as a religious symbol. Interesting. Literally the only other thing I know him from. And now, like, he's going over these things with these kids. Literally, Cousin Oliver seems to be the only one paying attention and understanding the technical aspects of what Lewis Gossett's going through. But, you know, intense Doug is there. The girls are cute and smiling. Styles is probably trying to sell somebody weed. <laughs>
I'm surprised, like, in the 80s when boxing was especially very popular on network TV, they didn't try to make, like, the Marvin Hagler story starring Louis Gossett Jr. No, but I was just thinking about Teen Wolf 2 when you said that. Or Jason Bateman is on a college okay. boxing team. Because being a werewolf makes you able to fight. Well. And literally, we've gone through this whole bonding process. Missions a go. Everything's there. But none of us are going with you. It's just you and Chappie. Yeah. So I don't know why we were necessary for this entire time. I, I yeah, That's what I was thinking. I was like, because when I first watched this, I'm like, I don't remember what happens next. Do they all go with him? Is everyone flying in the jets? That... <clears throat> That seems like a lot. I'll be right back. You keep going. So this is really where, again, things matter. Because you've got Chappie outlining things to Doug, who... I'll give the writers credit here. In the weighted shoulders... Gedrick has to, to follow, do a lot of body language, shift moods, and he does it. So I wish the movie had a lot more of this stuff we saw earlier, like the graduation scene that didn't really flow. Oh, you're asking a lot of people to do competencies that they don't necessarily. So this is this is one of those scenes in the movie I think is really where things shine. And I think you really get the best interplay between Chappie and Gedrick here because they, they, they really seem to understand the motivations and each guy connects with each other as to why they're doing it. Yeah, no, I totally get the necessity of the scene. I still commit to some of these things could have been cut down a little bit. Some shaving needed to, be, needed to happen here. This is a 90-minute idea stretched over... Good lord, there's still 45 minutes of this movie left. This is not a two-hour feature. It's not. It really could have been trimmed down to 90 minutes, possibly even less. Well, 90 minutes was your standard length of a feature. So I think going less than that, and now you're into almost like kids' movie territory. Um, I think 90 minutes was, was good for this. I mean, to be fair, it is very much a kid's feature for, like, 75% of the movie. That's the thing. Like, I'm sure when this was being pitched and produced, this was like, oh, this is a good... <clears throat> yes, this is a good family film, but this is... I would not necessarily classify this as a children's feature. This is an action movie. Believe it or not. It's one of those things where instead of... Because if you don't know anything about screenwriting, there's in this in a specific type of feature, which in this case is action, there is scripted to be X amount of action minutes over the course of the film. It's a percentage of the film. So if it's a 90-minute film, you want like somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 minutes of action, roughly, at yeah. minimum. That's the problem. This is entirely backloaded. Thank you. Yes, that's where I was going with this. This is entirely backloaded with action. So you're building, 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 and yes, you get some bit of frenetic energy with the heist stuff, but you know, we're still doing bonding here. So 
you know, there's there's your race, and then there's the, the heist, and you're not even and you're not even close to an action sequence until we're we're not going to get there for another ten minutes of feature. But then the whole third act is is action stuff. I mean, he's, yeah. What are you typing, Clark Kent? Uh, so the Misfits are doing a show on Halloween in Madison Square Garden. Are you shitting me? No, and the special guests are Rancid and the Damned. And a friend of mine asked me to go, and I told him, because I was at the last show in the Presidential Center, that it's a little depressing when you see Doyle's not actually playing his guitar, and the set list wasn't great. I have a friend of mine that said I have to beat cancer and recover by November so that I can go see Slayer, Primus Ministry, and Phil Anselmo and the Illegals playing Pantera at Madison Square Garden. I think somewhere in that period is the next blood sport, isn't it? No, that's in September. That is September September 14th in Atlantic City. And what I'm annoyed about is you're going to actually go to that thing, which means we can't do coverage of it. Well, I don't I, nah, uh, I don't think I'm going to that because New Japan is coming to New York. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to see that instead. All right. Well, promise me we're going to do a watch along for Bloodsport 3 or Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 2, whichever one they're calling it, if you don't actually go. Uh, if I do not actually go, we will absolutely do live commentary over that one. Fantastic. I was so good. I haven't watched the Matt Riddle one yet, but uh, yeah, the Josh Barnett one was really good. Yeah, we had a lot of fun at that show, despite almost getting into a fight with that guy. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, this scene's still going on. <laughs> yeah, now we're really pushing it. Yeah. At this point, Louis Gossett Jr. has told this idiot to go to bed like 97 times. And I was going to give him his wings. We could have gotten to the wings giving so much sooner than this. Like, we could, again, there's so much time invested in this right now. Mm-hmm. Do we really understand why this kid loves his dad other than it's his dad? No. That part of the movie was not, was very underwritten. <sighs> See, this well, needed to be cut. Because we're going to get this later when he plays the cassette. We could have gotten, like, a 30-second version of this. Again, we could have possibly montaged it. Right. With a, a 30-second little, you know, cool hand slap at the end. Pat, what's the best hand slap in the history of movies? Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Yes, that's covered on Long Road to Ruin, the Predator franchise. Good stuff. Predator 2. Underrated, I think. I enjoyed that movie. Not bad, but big shoe fill. I should say impossible shoes to fill. Yeah, sure. Predator is damn near perfect. Yeah, it's it's Arnold's best movie. Um, though for shits and giggles, I enjoy The Running Man as well. Boy, he went through a period there, didn't he? And that's another movie we need to talk about, Commando. I mean, when you think about like the height of toxic masculinity in the 80s, the height of glorious, wonderful toxic masculinity in the 80s, and action movies for guys who like movies, 
I think Commando sits atop. Maybe Commando and like Cobra sit atop of all of them. I just feel like those two guys were trying to top each other with who could do worse shit. Don't get me wrong, I love Cobra, but I understand how terrible it is. Mm-hmm. Commando, I don't even necessarily love. Oh, I love. See, I was a bigger Schwarzenegger fan than I was Sylvester Stallone, despite Sylvester Stallone being in the Rocky movies and Rambo. Um, I love. I, I pretty much yeah. loved everything Schwarzenegger did up until he started doing comedies. I mean, like I liked Arnold, but I was always the Stallone guy first. Mm. Arnold had like three, four movies that I thought were like, ah, oh, this is the best shit ever. Like Predator, the original Conan, uh, the original Terminator, and Twins. I think for me, I saw more of Arnold's movies growing up as a kid in the in their moment. So like Commando, the Conan, the the Destroyer, Total Recall, the Running Man, Predator. I saw all those as a contemporary, and like they had like an indelible impact on me. Whereas I didn't see Cobra until I was much older. Yeah, I didn't, see, like, I didn't I actually, see Tango and I, Cash until I was older. You know, like the movies, the Sylvester Stallone movies I saw as a kid were the Rocky movies and Rambo. Uh, first of either of those guys I saw in a theater was Total Recall. All right, <clears throat> so we've been gushing. I don't know, Pat. I feel like if you don't tell me yes, we have to do a commentary over Commando, you're going to break my heart. By the way. Then I guess we're gonna have to at some point. So. You'll have disappointed me for the last time um, again. Anyway, we're finally in the air. Goddamn! <laughs> Here's we're gonna get a lot of now. Visually, this is not the most stimulating stuff, but this is where we get to, you know, the, this is where we get to the best action. You know, the, the best parts of the movie here. This is the action stuff. This is what we all came to see. This is what was in the trailer. This is why we're here. Fucking Libyans. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know if I... I don't know if I would have shaved down these for time. I feel like the stuff leading up to it, I've already talked about that ad nauseum. But here, I like like the way this is all shot. You know, I like that they kind of keep coming, going back to wide shots of the two planes in the air and then we're back up to close-ups of them in the cockpit. Like, again, we're back where we started in that respect. Mm-hmm. Because this is a very uneven movie in terms of that. Yeah. So, all of the important information that was gone over through the heist part about routes and mid-flight... Um, Mid-flight refueling and all of that, and you know, and ba- and the, their strategy for creating as safe a, a situation as possible to get the dad out. This is where it all comes to fruition. This is why all that stuff was important in those scenes, and you really couldn't cut them. Yeah, you kind of do need to know all that. They're literally talking about refueling the planes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an important part of the plot based on where we're going. Sure. I think people you don't really. I don't. I think people don't really understand how planes work. I mean, Top Gun really didn't do any favors to that. Mm-hmm. 
But I think, and I think, ultimately, that's the hardest thing for this movie is it came out a few months after Top Gun. That might have also why, why it hurt its box office. People are like, all right, I already saw the plane movie. Like this might have done well a year later, more as a, a summer feature the following year. And it was referred to as the plane movie, just like how uh, Speed was the bus movie. <laughs> I know everyone loves Speed, and, and, and you know Speed is a guilty pleasure. But I'm not in love with Speed the way most people are. Correct. Look, it's fine. Keanu Reeves is awesome. Dennis Hopper is usual. Dennis Hopper. Uh, first of Andrew all, Andrew Bullock. You haven't lived until you've seen Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet. Yeah, of course, with taking hits of ether and. <laughs> Let's fuck! I'll fuck anything that moves! I can hear your fucking radio, you stupid shit. These were also all uh, quotes taken <laughs> and used in other songs. All right, here we go. This is our first attack on uh, not totally not Libya, and we're getting into the airspace. But they have gone through what we would even deem as the safe zone. They are now considered hostiles by anybody's uh, definition. Yes, what they are doing is an, is in fact an act of war. All right, here we go. Dun dun dun. I don't remember the music for this in the scene being great. It probably wasn't, to be honest. This needed a banger of a song, and I don't remember this one being particularly memorable. And I just watched it this afternoon. I haven't seen it in a while. I don't remember what the song playing is. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh god, <laughs> they're coming. This looks like they. What'd you say? What air? What airbase did they use to simulate the this this uh, airbase? Uh, this would be in uh, California in Chino. Okay. I'm wondering if for extras they just use people on the base. Like y'all want to uh, be in a movie? Yeah. Just for... I haven't met a bunch of Libyans, <laughs> so. <laughs> Diving out of the truck. Oh no! They are about to fuck up their world. Aircraft approaching. Uh oh. Dog fights, baby. That's what we came here for. That is what we wanted. Okay. Here we go. Misses missiles away. So this is some brilliant cutting right here, because they cut it. They 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 have a shot of the missile detaching itself from the jet, and it's immediately cut to the to an explosion, which was yeah. Obviously, the missile didn't even need to be launched. Yeah, I mean there is no there is no time here. It's like it's literally cut and cut. Yeah, I, I think we're seeing that they were editing this in order, and oh shit, we need to slow this down. We need to speed it up. Let's uh, we we used a lot of this for that damn dialogue scene again. Uh, let's just uh, have missiles just drop like anchors. 
Yeah, there's no there there's no scene of impact. It's literally like launch bl- launch and then explosion. Yeah, we're seeing stuff blow up without anything hitting it either. That's awesome. Mhm. Movie magic, my friend. Has Chappie been hit yet? No. That's coming, though. And there's a fake out. So this is what George Lucas was going for in Star Wars, by the way. With yeah, the he wishes. With it's the X-Wing fucking... fighters. I mean, look, this, this, this is what he was trying to portray and people have summarily fallen in love with. Of course, spaceships don't move like that in actual space. Yeah, and fucking brothers and sisters don't make out and then all of a sudden forget it either. <laughs> well, that's a whole other issue. Yeah, Han remembers. <laughs> that needs to be on a t-shirt. And that time we got a missile launch. An explosion. So what we're really seeing here is basically two F-16s just wrecking these MiGs. And yes, they had the element of surprise, but the MiGs are also failing to get airborne for the most part. And they're not very well coordinated. Now they've finally taken enough damage that they've been able to get three going in addition to air ground gunners. Fire, boob, nipple nipple gun. Yes, these are... uh... Their air defense systems. Yeah. They're using what you would call anti-aircraft, and uh-oh, Chappie took a hit. Now, smartly, they don't show him ejecting. Correct, Amundo. Doug's still dropping bombs, because Libyans need to die. Oh, so shit. So let his daddy go. Doug's dropping bombs on your moms. Yep, and we are about to lose Louis Gossett Jr. for this picture. One of them got me. And, uh... Doug, take it up. Doug's thinking, oh, uh, I'm alone. My My master has left me. You killed my teacher. Take it up, Doug. (laughs) Don't argue with me. This is supposed to be touching. <laughs> it is. The tape is going to be the only thing that could save his ass. Listen to Chappie, Doug. Damn stubborn kid. Doesn't take. He doesn't take orders from anybody, even his own teacher. Gotta do it for your dad, kid. Don't worry about me. Yes, don't lose sight of the mission. God damn it. Alright, he's breaking off. Uh oh. Oh man. Uh oh. Doug keeps going up and up and up. He's got a bogey. Dive, dive, dive. 
there really are some beautiful sequences in this. Yeah, it's a. This is a very, very pretty sequence. Uh, again, like the budget is not low. It's not blockbuster budget, but it's. This is where the money went to, and it's pretty evident. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah. The, 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 at this point, all the you know, the, they just needed money for film and to pay the actors. Yeah, they, they there was there was absolutely no effects or anything they needed to spend money on, and then they started blowing up entire sets. Nope. Play the tape, dog. Don't worry about Chappie. Shabby trying to draw the fire away in his damaged plane. Try to keep that plane together. Without blowing the He's got a bandit on him. Boom! Shalak lock, boom. God. I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> And Chappie goes into the drink. He checked. For the love of God, get out of there. Chappie! All right, well, he's on his own. Doug, I ain't gonna make it. God. Oh, man. <laughs> you need a moment. Like all the fields right now. Are you verklempt? <clears throat> here we have the tape from Chappie telling him you're a good boy, Doug. Don't talk to us. God didn't give people things he doesn't want them to use. He gave you the touch. You got the touch! Yeah! You think the bass is taken away from my vocals? <laughs> Someday I gotta sit down and watch Boogie Nights. Wait, have you really not? I've never seen Boogie Nights, no. I don't understand how that's possible. It's not one of those movies that I saw in the theater and then I just never bothered to catch it on a video. So whenever Jed and I just go rogue and just start boogie nightsing stuff, you're just totally out of the loop? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I know you're doing boogie nights because you've told me, but I don't know the actual references. This is That's one of those Jesse moments for me. But it's on the list because God knows you guys have talked about it enough. And really, it's about porn. I should watch it. I mean, in a sense, it's about porn. I, for, for fuck's sake, I've seen Showgirls a dozen times. How have you... I haven't seen... <laughs> That's like saying you've seen Iron Eagle and you haven't seen Top Gun. Uh, which is also true. But you've never watched Top Gun either? No, I have never, I've never gotten all the way through Top Gun. Again, yeah, it's two guys very much in love. 
Weirdly, as a kid, I, I saw Risky Business, didn't see Top Gun. Saw Cocktail, didn't see Top Gun. Cocktail, just the worst. No, oh, Cocktail's so good. <laughs> Aruba, Jamaica, ooh, I want to take it to Bermuda. I, I, I hate Brian Brown. Mm-hmm. And pretty much everything. He's really at arguably his fucking worst in that movie. Uh, Cockpit law, mate. You can't wake up with a dick in your ass and not want to scratch. I, I would shut down the On Trial podcast just to do commentaries about 90% of the movies we talked about tonight. Like every you know, one Thursday a month or two, 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 two Thursdays a month, instead of doing On Trial, I would rather just do commentaries on movies like Top uh, Top. Um, Cocktail and Commando. Oh my God, such classics! God, Cocktail's just the fucking worst. Cocktail is so good. Yeah, Mr. Bentley from the Jeffersons failing him in his class. Like seriously. <laughs> uh, kids, if you don't know what Cocktail is, it's Tom Cruise doing extreme bartending. It's fantastic. It's no, it's Tom Cruise trying to invent TGI Fridays. <laughs> He knocks up a rich girl in Jamaica uh, and, and makes friends with a guy who somehow uh, looks for happiness and money, and when he thinks he has it, he kills himself. Spoilers. <laughs> Movies from 1988. I don't give a fuck if you haven't seen it. <laughs> you know what are two other good movies? The Flamingo Kid and Blame It on Rio. Remember those? Uh, Blame It on Rio is the one with Michael Caine, right? Yes, Michael Caine and tits. Yes, Lots okay. Lots of tits. To me more, right? Uh, yeah, but I don't think she's the tits in the movie. I think, like, it's Brooke Shields. No, it's, uh, it's, uh, Michael Caine and what's his name that is always in stuff but never gets put as a lead. Yeah, yeah, big, big time character actor. All right, I'm looking it up now. <laughs> Come for the commentary. Stay for the mention of other movies. Blame it on Rhea. God damn it. Blame it on Rio. Yeah, they hook up with the daughters, basically, right? Yes. Yeah, it's like the one dude's daughter that ends up hooking up with Michael Caine. The, Michael Caine's daughter doesn't hook up with the other guy, though. She's just at the party. Right. Yeah, it's the Moore and the other girl. And then, uh, what was the other one you said? Um, the Flamingo Kid. Uh, okay, so Michael Cannon, Joseph Bologna. Joseph Bologna, that's him. Yeah. Love that guy. Awesome. And now we see Doug pulling off a brilliant plan where because of his flight pattern and formation... They believe that he has led a, a rogue squadron in behind him and is forcing them to call his bluff, which they will not do. They are panicked and basically negotiating the release of his father as they speak. I really enjoy that. That so, was such a cool way to do this. So Jennifer Leon, uh, Lyons is um, played by Michelle Johnson. Who is an American actress best known for her role when she was 17 as, Lo as Lolita-like 
teenager Jennifer Lyons in the 1984 romantic comedy Blame It on Rio. Fantastic. God, has she done anything else? Holy Christ, she was in Gung Ho and Charles in Charge. Well, Gung Ho, I remember. Yes, they actually made a series of that. Yes, with Scott Bakula. Let's see. Uh, the last thing she was in was something called Mickey in 2004. Hmm. But yes, Debbie Moore is in the movie. She plays uh, Michael Caine's daughter. So there used to be a theory that you could turn on a channel at any given time of day and mm-hmm. a movie featuring Gene Hackman would play. Sure. They even make fun of it in the movie PCU. A guy is doing his thesis on it. And in actuality, that was true at least for a period of time with Michael Caine. And now the Libyans have taken the colonel out of jail and are bringing him for release. I looked away from the movie. Have they blown up the oil field yet? The refinery? No. Okay, well that's coming. <clears throat> they don't release the dad fast enough and he thinks these guys are full of shit. So he's going to blow up an oil refinery to show him what's what. I said what what in the butt. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Oh, it's great. Like, like I was, said, this movie this finally so hits high gear. I actually love this action sequence coming up. This bit on the runway. And I love it because the villain is makes the all-time dumb villain mistake. It's true. <laughs> Go, get out of here. Save yourself. <laughs> the villains don't the villains all kind of give very very like low key flat performances like none of them get very dramatic <laughs> the dad's waving down the jet save me save me that's right try to take down the jet with a rifle Yeah, wouldn't that work? <laughs> and now Tim Thomerson's out there with brown hair, which will not stop being weird to me. Oh, and the dad has been shot after all that. These guys are not playing fair. They are not abiding by the rules. They shot I mean, a I hostage. Would, I would expect that from Muammar Gaddafi. True. Oh, and we've got surface-to-air missiles here. Nah, now we mean business. Did, holy shit. And, you know, it's ironic that we're watching this because earlier this month, an airstrike by Field Marshal Khalifa Haftar's Libyan National Army hit the Tajora Detention Center outside Tripoli, Libya, with hundreds of people inside the facility. Oh, wow. So, yeah, Libya's still doing the same shit 30 years later. (laughs) Say goodbye to your control tower, assholes. God, I wish... I Fuck. You know what? I wish our government wasn't such fucking pussified 
Like, Trump needs to get that shit going, and we can just go destroy Libya. Uh, second term, buddy. Second term. That's second term stuff and right there. And boom. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Everything is on fire. <laughs> God, it's so good. Like, you want to shoot my dad after you try to do this shit? Yeah, that ain't happening. Mm. I mean, you could shoot my dad. My dad was an asshole, but my dad wasn't a colonel. It's true. Neither was my although, dad. Although my grandmother did promote Sergeant Slaughter to Colonel Slaughter. <laughs> she fucking couldn't stand when I wanted to watch wrestling. And there was one particular night on the USA Network. Oh, they he were just... Having he just lit the uh, the uh, runway on fire, and that's the yep. that's the cover they're going to use to mount this rescue. This is also right. the best part of the film, right here. The villain saying, "Don't let that fire stop you. Run into it." He literally commands them into the fire yes. to stop one man from being rescued. Yeah, at this point, he's using up a lot of resources. Uh, yep, <laughs> we have two. I love how. So this is great. I don't know if life really works this way, but two Jeeps drove into a blazing fire and then flipped over and blew up. It's good stuff. While firing a hail of bullets. Yes. <laughs> All right, and the son and the father are reunited, and the father... <laughs> father's like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and now we're going to try it with a motorcycle because the cars didn't work. The guy's actually in a sidecar. <laughs> Burned alive. Terrific. Yeah, just singed. He's merely a flesh wound. I love the villain's line here. Is there a brave man amongst you? And they're just like, whoa, are we getting paid enough for this shit? And they're just looking at him like... You ice hole. Yeah, Hercule Poirot, it's kind of mean. Wouldn't expect that from such a gifted detective. <laughs> so we're going to try it again with this time an armored car and it's going to get through the fire no problem but it's also going to get a missile right up its face and now we're going to take off this is pretty cool actually because they don't need much runway to go I didn't realize that this kind of jet could take off with such little runway uh, apparently Cause it, it actually sent I was going to say, like, it had no momentum. It just kind of, like, went up like a helicopter. So the Hades bomb that he dropped on uh, the the oil field, mm -hmm. while it is fictional, apparently it is, in fact, made bomb. So this is, this is the best part right here, other than being ordered into fire. Our, our our titular villain here, our main bad guy, made one of the guys with the, who has the mo who is the most armed land his plane so that he could kill them personally. He is literally the Darth Vader of this film. I'm on the he, he, he went from Gaddafi to Vader. Yes. Like Gaddafi would not have been that dumb. No, nobody would have. <laughs> nobody except somebody yeah. in a, playing a villain in a nobody's. Nobody's jumping into a plane because it's this personal. Get the fuck out of here. But that's what that's what movie magic for you. That's what makes these films so good. I mean, if if I had that seat of power, 
and somebody made that type of a front to me, I'd like to think I would do it. <laughs> but I'd also like to think I'd be successful at it. Mm. He's and, not. And he's just, not going to be. Yeah, I just know that wouldn't be the case. <laughs> but I've never been mad with power. So we are uh, we are at the conclusion of this thing. Our final. Our final action sequence, we've got uh, just a dozen dogfights going, half a dozen dogfights going on. With the dad yelling instructions in the back seat. Okay, I got here on my own without you. Hush up. Bleed quietly. But that's what's been missing from him in the simulator. Is your father barking orders at you? Now we've got the combination of the youthful exuberance and reflexes and want with the experience Wisdom. and know-how of the father. Yes, we have we have the youth and we have the wisdom. It's the perfect combination. So again, having forgotten how this movie goes, I totally thought Chappie was going to show up in the Millennium Falcon. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. That's a Star Wars gag, everybody. That's why it wasn't funny, everybody. <laughs> oh, here it comes. Revenge! This is a dish best served with a missile in your face. Ah, what tension. What tension, Pat. How do you get through it? How do you get through it? Make the move. Come on. Missiles away. Boom. And he takes out Darth Vader. Now, more MiG... And now the now finally the U.S. shows up on the you know, on their horses because it's cavalry. Where you been? Exactly. Having breakfast. Yeah, this is pretty funny. Like, do you wish to further engage? Nope. <laughs> We're gonna pass. Thanks. Ugh. Mission accomplished. It's time to go home. They're ours, Dad. We're saved. Could you imagine? Like, the, I feel like there needed to be a scene where somebody like hands a general a, a piece of paper, like, "Are you shitting me? They stole a plane," and then you see them show up. I mean, there there should have been that crusty old general commanding them of what to do. Right. But you know. There should have also been a scene where Reagan finds out about this and sends these guys officially, not just they show up under commands from the president. <laughs> you were just gonna let him hang? Reagan smash! John, I love that man. <laughs> you know after Trump gets reelected, our next president's gonna be a Democrat, right? 
Not if I can help it. Yeah, good luck. You're moving back. You're moving back to Brooklyn, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah, New York's <laughs> New York's never going to vote for a Republican. Lots of luck. Let me let me tell you something, okay? So I moved back into Park Slope, right? Oh, you moved to Park Slope? How many yep. Jews are you around? Not many. Really? Did they all leave Park Slope? Yeah, they're all in Borough Park and uh, Williamsburg and uh, uh, Sheepshead Bay. So who took uh, over Park Slope from the Jews? The hipsters and the yuppies. Ugh, go on. So I've worn three shirts, the first of which is a picture of Mr. Reagan with an American flag tie that says, I smell hippies. The second of which was... Uh, in a picture of an American flag with ingredients next to it, like a nutritional factor thing. Mm-hmm. And it says socialism and communism, 0%. <laughs> the third was a bright red shirt that says democratic socialism in big letters on it with the definitions of it underneath. One, the politically correct way of saying communism. Two, moochers electing freeloaders to steal from producers and three, an ideology responsible for millions of deaths. And given the political climate of New York and the general tenor, you haven't been stabbed yet? No, because they're all a bunch of pussies. Fair enough. But I bet they give you... I bet they're mean tweeting about you. Yeah, good. Tweet all you fucking want. (laughs) Ah, Uh, You know what the problem is? You fucking pussies grew up with heroes like the fucking page master from that Macaulay Culkin movie... And, uh, you know, who's some other pussy hero that they had? The kid from Powder. Uh, <laughs> my heroes were Chappie and Marion Cobretti and Link Hawk and uh, fucking Paul Kersey. Have you mentioned Stallone's character from Over the Top yet? I said Link Hawk. Okay, I wasn't sure. All right. Paul Cobretti and so- Tango and fucking Cash. So, we are finally at the conclusion of this film. Of course, Chappie is alive and well. He uh, he ejected into the into the drink, and we are uh, <clears throat> we are admonishing these two thieves for the, inter- for the international incident that they have caused. Duhas, Duhas, Minch. Um, and so, look, let's just get right to it. What's going to happen here in this scene is they're going to say you did a bad thing. But it's so embarrassing, we're not punishing you for it because we don't want anyone to know about this. Which You're not going to face a court-martial because that would make it public. Right. So, and then and then Chappie will go on to further say, hey, if you really want him to keep quiet, why don't we give him what has eluded in this entire movie, and, but clearly showing something he's shown himself capable of, and let him into the Air Force. This is the most realistic part of the movie. Up to this point, it has been pure boy fantasy, pure adolescent male testosterone 80s fantasy and we love it and it's a lost art it's just a just they just don't make movies like this anymore but this point in the movie fucking as real as it gets <laughs> the US government would totally do this seriously how much shit have we covered up over time like just to avoid this come on exactly like this would be like again another bay of pigs type situation well, they even, you know, all right, you can mark the, uh, you can mark one of the squares on the Madeleine Broadcasting bingo card. This was exactly how The Wire ended. 
The, the, the truth was so bad and so embarrassing that they just buried it and told the cops, just retire quietly. If you ever talk about this, we'll prosecute you. Yeah, I, I never got into that show. Oh, you're, you're missing out. I tried. I didn't like it. Uh, you you got to give the whole season a chance. All right. We're done here. We are reached our final scene. The father is home. He's been debriefed. His arm is in a sling from done being shot. And he's getting off Air Force One. And he's reunited with his family. Everyone's reunited. Uh. Until Doug gets shot down and captured in Russia in the sequel. <laughs> I don't think we'll be doing the sequels anytime soon. I'll be doing the sequels soon. It's <laughs> good. You can find them because they're not on iTunes. No, they're on Prime. Are they, the whole thing? Pretty short. So Iron Eagle 2 and 3 are available for streaming, but Pool Hall Junkies and the Dolph Lundgren Punisher aren't. This is horseshit. Uh, Iron Eagle 2 is. Iron Eagle 3 and 4 are not. They made a fourth one? I thought there was only three of these. No, dude. The fourth one rocks. Okay. Yeah. The gosh. fourth one has, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Lou Gossett Jr. is in it again. Mm-hmm. This is made in the late 90s, and basically they stumble onto a plot where chemical warfare with Cuba is about to break out. Oh, terrific. I might have to invest in these. Yeah, Iron Eagle 3, uh, I, I have a soft spot for, because it's really a chappy story. Mm-hmm. And they have Sonny Chiba. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and he goes to give him back his, uh, his wings, and he says, no, sir. You've earned them. And they salute each other. Fantastic. Look at that. Hey, that's beautiful. That's that's man stuff right there. All right. And we start to pan out. The classic motion picture pan out. As we leave our family having achieved victory. This, my friends, was Iron Eagle. God, so good. (laughs) <laughs> all right pat uh, and then here's our uh let's call it a night here i got uh nurses that want to give me pills and take uh, take my vitals i'm getting out tomorrow provided i don't suddenly spike a horrible fever so let's hope for that and i would highly recommend as a follow-up to this toy soldiers I've seen that. I also remember the Martika song. Step by step, heart to heart, we all right, well, fall down like toy soldiers. What was the what was the movie Toy Soldiers about? Uh, basically, there is a Colombian drug kingpin who gets extradited to the U.S. and his son goes to uh, break him out by taking hostages of a northeastern prep school. And uh, yes, I remember this now. Yeah, I've, I've seen that movie. Yeah, movie rocks. Also features Louis Gossett Jr. leading an army of preteen, or I shouldn't say preteen, of pre-adult boys who have to become a, a makeshift military. Well, sir, we'll have to we'll have to uh, put aside a night where we can do yet another one of these commentaries about action movies for guys who like movies. God damn it! Watch Louis Gossett Jr. movies. There we go. We'll, we'll dedicate also, an entire month to it. Whilst watching this movie, I bought a T-shirt with a picture of the rockers that says choose life under it <laughs> terrific 
All right. Um, this past week, uh, aside from Iron, just a special Iron Eagle show because I've got nothing but time on my hands. We also did a whole bunch of Spider-Man podcasts. We did Spider-Man Legacy, Ultimate Spider-Man Legacy by Brian Michael Bendis, which was like to leave issues 22 through 27. We reviewed Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, we took a break and we reviewed the new Amon Amarth album. Um, and then Sean and I actually, believe it or not, did a podcast. We did an on-trial for Spider-Man 3, wherein we pitched nine other Spider-Man movies that could have been made besides that one. I hope one of them wasn't the new one. <laughs> no, we did not pitch the new one. Yeah, um, that shit sucked. So, uh, we will be watching over the weekend the new Evolve show that'll be on the WWE Network. We'll be watching AEW Fight for the Fallen and then WWE uh, Extreme we're Rules. We're fucking goddamn outlaw mud shows. These fucking goddamn <laughs> outlaw wrestlers on fucking mud show on TV. Goddamn. Jim Cornette making fun of Joey Janela and Enzo's confrontation at the Blink-182 show some months ago is some of the funniest things I've heard in a while. That was some months ago. That was this past weekend. No, I heard that was months ago. No, that was this past weekend. The way they said it on the show, it was like it happened. Like Goddamn, a fucking band called Blink-182 got... I don't know what the fuck they're doing. They, 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 he really so- did say that. He didn't know what a Blink-182 was. Yeah. Um, all right, so so we'll have coverage of all, we'll have TV parties for all that. We got a Doom Patrol coming up, uh, Doom Patrol twenty sixteen, brick by brick, wherein uh. Chris Sheehan tells you all about the history of the Doom Patrol. Uh, I will be out of the hospital, therefore my parents. I'm forcing them to take me to go see Crawl, which means I will be joining Alexis Haina, Robert Winfrey, and the prodigal son Jason Teasley to do a damn you Hollywood. For <laughs> Gators Gone Wild, otherwise known uh, as Crawl. I, I can only imagine what Robert's going to say about this. Oh, this is going to be a glorious show. I can't wait. He's going to lose his shit. I hope so. We got the Texas Hippie Coalition on the Metal Hammer of Doom. Not as good as their last album, I'm going to say. But uh, we'll talk about it. And then finally, Jesse and I will be doing a uh, a TV party for Doom Patrol. And then if you like me and Pat together... We are back again for uh, Plant vs. Lee on Fox. Boxing commentary. Pat said he'd never watch another boxing uh, match again, and I said, but please, Pat, please, Hammer, don't hurt him. Now, you might be wondering, why are we doing Plant vs. Lee instead of the uh, Pacquiao fight? Because that shit costs money, and Plant vs. Lee doesn't. That's why. Right, Pat? Also, it's 2019. <laughs> we're, we're done with Manny Pacquiao. Um... The following week, try to try to hold your contempt in here. We've got the Cloak and Dagger twenty, uh, gosh, what was it? Twenty eighteen iteration uh, issues one through six, otherwise known as the Trade Paperback Shades of Grey. Instead, I'm going to just play forty five minutes of the best of Groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons. <laughs> we'll do a review of the currently rotten, uh, but probably going to make a billion dollars anyway. The Lion King live action remake. We've got a review of Sabaton, The Great War. How can they call that live action when it's just CGI? Because it's not traditional animation. Yeah, okay. (laughs) How about we CGI me whacking off and call that live action? That would be terrific. Can we do it for two hours? And then we'll have a... I'm pretty sure I could if you give me the right pills. Fantastic. Um, And then we've got a TV party for Cloak & Dagger Season 2. What a weird show that was. And then finally, we close out July as we get ever approached to me get finally getting out of Doctor Jail with DC Hanna Barbera three. Damn you, Hollywood! Once upon a ch- uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, 
L7, shut up Pat, scatter the rats, and we've decided to call an audible. Instead of doing a tri- an on-trial for Pulp Fiction and trying to invent a reason to say it's bad, when there really isn't any, we're going to do a much more device. We're going to do a much more divisive film. We're going to do a much more. Uh, we're going to do a film that really split the Quentin Tarantino audience that was building after Pulp Fiction. We're going to do one of my favorites, quite frankly. I'm going to kill one of my babies here because I think I'm prosecuting this. Ladies and gentlemen, on trial, August first, Jack Brown, witness for the defense. <laughs> Go talk to Sean. Witness for the defense. It's his best movie. I love Jackie Brown, but I'm going to prosecute it anyway because I know people hated it. Yeah, because they're fucking dumb. Yeah, they are. Um, and that's it for the month of July. We'll uh, we'll talk about August when we get a little bit closer. Get a little closer. Don't be shy. Get a little closer. Got a little bit closer. All right, Pat, what are you doing these days besides what I force you to do against your will? That's basically what I'm doing these days. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of like uh, the colonel in Libya. They just tell me what to do, and I do it. Uh, <laughs> that being said, lots of moving parts happening at one time. Uh, got my new condo, so moving in's going on there. Lots of moving parts in place. Uh, yeah, I moved into the heart of Hipsterland. And I wear very pro-conservative American t-shirts five days out of five. And ain't nobody stepping in me. Because you're all a bunch of pussies. Antifa, come get some. Pat, we have a problem here. I don't have you listed for anything in August. And I need you, Pat. I need you for either a a boxing commentary or a movie commentary, at the very least. I don't think there's any fights in August. There's Carl Frampton versus Emmanuel Dominguez. Uh, when is that? That is Saturday, August 10th on ESPN+. Plus. See, the ESPN Plus thing doesn't work for me, brother. Uh, Virgil Ortiz versus Antonio Orozco. I don't even know who they are. All right. Uh, Clarissa Shields versus nope. Ivana. Nope. <laughs> I didn't have to finish reading that. Um, Emmanuel Navarrete versus Stupid. <laughs> To be announced. All right, let's move on. Versus Samir, not good. Not, <laughs> not going to work here anymore. Um, no, that's a that's a no right there. Uh, Juan Francisco Estrada, and that's another to be announced. God damn it. <sighs> Eris Landi Lara versus Ramon Alvarez on Fox. Uh, I'm going to probably say no to that one. Yeah, it's also on the same night as All Out and. Uh, Takeover Cardiff. Oh, Takeover Cardiff we could do. Okay, so I'll have you on the TV party for Takeover Cardiff whenever we, oh. we get around to recording that. I watch everything NXT UK, so... Um, yeah, that'll, that, we'll probably do the recordings for that the, like that Sunday, so I'll, uh, I'll, we'll figure it out. So, um, hang on. So that's August 31st. Yeah, I have it scheduled to, to record on so, September so we, 1st. We need something for me for August, basically? We, we need something for you for August because uh, n- none of the boxing is good. <laughs> uh, all right. You know what? Let's... I don't know. You know what? I'll leave it up to the viewers. You guys pick something you would like to hear me talk about. 
we'll figure it out. We'll, do, we'll we're going to do another one of these commentaries for uh, some sort of '80s action flick, and you and I will figure it out over the course of the next few weeks. We'll figure out what we're going to do in August and when we're going to do it. How's that? On sound? the on the next episode of When Men Were Men. <laughs> when um yes, because. Uh, 902 and 0 starts in August, but we won't get to it until September. It's true, but we will get to it. We will get to it. All right, Pat, that's enough of plugs. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed our commentary for Iron Eagle. It was fun doing it. Be well, be safe, and behave.